Our second Bible reading this evening comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 58. Uh, In most few Bibles that can be found on page 1206. Page 1206, 1 Corinthians 15, starting from verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Well, we've um, come to the last week in our three-week series on the topic and theme of work. We're thinking what the whole Bible says on this topic and tonight we come to thinking about the work of the Lord. Last week we saw work as part of our life of worship. This week, what does it mean to be involved in the work of the Lord? And so, like every week, we depend on God to help us understand how we must be workers in this world and be involved in this work. So let's pray once again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do enable us to work in all sorts of ways, in all different contexts. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be good workers, seeing our life as a spiritual act of worship, giving glory to you in all that we do. But we pray particularly tonight that you'll help us to understand what might be distinctive about the work of the Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been thinking about this theme of work. And I thought what we'll do today, uh, as we begin, is to check your understanding over the last few weeks, whether you actually understood what we've been going through. So a few revision questions. Okay, ready for this? Now, after each question, I'll give you about 10 seconds to answer it with the person next to you. Okay, first one. In the Bible, what is the idea of calling first and foremost about? 10 seconds, go for it. What is it? First and foremost about. Alright, ten seconds up. What is it first and foremost about? I hope none of you guys said Korea. Okay, the answer is the calling of God first and foremost in the pages of Scripture is to salvation and Christ's likeness. The things of eternity, that is what God calls us to. They are the things God is interested in. Second question, 10 seconds. Should we maintain a distinction between sacred work and secular work? Five seconds. Yes, no. Okay, who said yes, we, rem- we maintain a distinction? Yes, no. 
and the rest don't know. <laughs> well, the answer is no. Since all of life, if you are a Christian, you belong to God, all of life is sacred and you are to live your life as a living sacrifice, our memory text for this month. So all of our life is sacred in God's eyes. Next question. When does the worship of God occur? Just on Sunday, just like today, when we gather as his people? Discuss, five, uh, ten seconds. Okay, what are your answers? When do you worship God? You sing. Thank you, Sam. You are my youth leader too. (laughs) Okay, so when do we worship God? Well, it's every day of the week. We worship God all the time. Our life is a living sacrifice. Okay, next question. Is being a pastor more godly than being a fisherman? All right, five seconds. Yes, no. What do you think? Okay. All right, time's up. What do you think? Well, well, the answer is, of course not. You're meant to be godly in whatever you do. Your job description does not define your godliness. It's how you go about your work that defines your godliness, right? So you can be a, a dodgy pastor and a godly fisherman, right? Okay, so the answer to that is no. Next question. Is my worth as a person tied to my abilities achievements and successes and so the surgeon uh, would be more worthy than a truck driver. What do you think? Ten seconds. Is my worth tied to my abilities, what I can do, what I can achieve? What do you think? Yes, no? Okay, well the answer is it's no. Our worth as people, if we are not a Christian, our worth as people is defined by the fact that we are made in the image of God. That sets our value. We are worthy in God's eyes, made in his image. But if we are a Christian, then our worth takes a different value, that is we belong to God as his children. And so it doesn't matter what you do for work, for your job, paid or unpaid, your worth remains the same. Your identity is in Christ. You belong to God as his child. Okay, last question. Since we are all equal before God, okay, got that first bit? We are all equal before God. Our identity is the same. doesn't mean that all work is of equal value before God. What do you think? I'll give you 10 seconds to discuss this. Okay, good. Any, any thoughts? Are all our work of the same value, of the same worth? Our person is the same worth before God, but is the work the same worth? I see heads nodding. Okay, well the answer is what we'll be talking about today. You'll find out. But the answer is really no. Our work is of different value, even though our person is of the same value. It seems like a contradiction and that is because in Christian thinking we don't tie our worth as a person to what we do or what we can achieve. Our worth is defined by God already. We belong to him. But our work takes on different values. So that's what we'll be exploring today. And so though we as Christians are of equal value before God. And so when I was an engineer, when I was working as an engineer and now that I'm a minister, 
my worth before God did not change. My identity before God did not change because I remain then and now a child of God. And so as God's child, I do all of life in all that I do to the glory of God, whether it's resting or playing, whether I'm gardening or mowing the lawn, whether I'm teaching our kids maths or when I'm preaching. All of it I do to the glory of God. I do it as part of my worship of God. But though my identity remains the same, my work that I do are of different value. So think about this. Mowing the lawn, that's important work. You've got to do that. But is it as important as teaching Sunday school? What do you think? Or studying and doing well in school, in work, that is important work. We should work hard. But is it as important as discipling someone to faith in Jesus? Is it of different value? Or achieving and succeeding and doing well in my job, in whatever profession that might be. Is that, that is important work, but is it as important as building someone up in their faith and in their walk with the Lord? And so what we're considering today is we are of equal value before God. You're not worth more because you do this job or that. But what we want to see is that is there a distinction in types of work? Are there work that are of more value before God? So that's what we'll be considering today. And so, what do you think? In the Bible, what do you think? Is there a priority given to some types of work over others in the Bible? Is there such a thing? Well, if we consider the passages of the Bible, it should really come as no surprise to us. You see, if we think back about what we heard last week, if God's calling of us is not to a particular job or profession or career, but God's calling of us is first and foremost to salvation and to being like Jesus Christ, then that sets clearly before us the priority of God's work in this world. The priority of God's work in this world is to bring people to faith in him, to build him up in Christ. And if that is God's priority in this world, bringing people to faith, then that also should be our priority in the work we should be involved in. It is gospel work which should be the priority in what we do. But is this what we actually see in scriptures, in the pages of scripture? Well, I want to look at three passages together with you now. First, the Great Commission. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 28. Let's look at that. Matthew 28. So this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this is after the work of salvation was accomplished. What was the commission of Jesus to his disciples? So look at Matthew 28, look at verse 18 with me. What does Jesus say here? He says here, does he say, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and pursue your ambition of the high-paying, white-collar, prestigious career so that you can find satisfaction and fulfilment in your work and by everything your heart desires and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Is that what we find? I think a lot of Christians believe that. It's not what we find. Or do we find this? Therefore, go and sit around and wait anxiously for your calling to do what I seemingly have failed to make clear in the words of Scripture and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Is that what we find here? 
Well, Christians believe that, don't they? But what do we really see? Well, let's look again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so what's the priority that all Christians are called to? We are of the same value. okay? But what's the work, what's the priority of work that we are called to? Well, it is the gospel priority to make disciples. And to make disciples means to evangelise, that is to proclaim the gospel, to bring them into the kingdom and to edify, that is to build them up as they grow in faith, as they grow in their walk with the Lord. And so to make disciples, two ideas, two components, evangelise, bring them to faith, edify, build them up in their faith. Now it's worth noting here in this, in this commission of Jesus, the promise from Jesus is that he will be with you as you go about making disciples. You see that promise there? Often people like to read this and, and really just think this promise from Jesus is this generic he'll be with you always and give you a nice feeling type of thing. Though that is true, Jesus is with us by his spirit, but the promise here is specifically to go with you as you go about making disciples, which means that your disciple-making endeavour will not be fruitless labour because the Lord will be with you. It is connected to the commission. And so this is the gospel priority we see in this passage. The gospel which saved us is the gospel that we must proclaim. This is our commission. Now, second passage I'd like us to continue, uh, consider. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to look at verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul spends a whole chapter teaching and defending both the resurrection of Jesus and our future bodily resurrection. Spends a whole chapter doing that. And then by the end of the chapter, what does he say? Look at what he says in verse 58. He says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Now, what did Paul mean here by the work of the Lord? And what did he mean here by your labour in the Lord? What is it that you are meant to give yourselves fully to? Is Paul speaking here generally about all work and labour that all Christians do? That doesn't matter what you do, however you slave away during your daytime job, whatever you do, it won't be in vain. All of your work as Christians won't be in vain. Is that what Paul is speaking about, generally about all work that all Christians do? Or is Paul in this verse speaking specifically about a type of work that he calls the work of the Lord? Well, let's try to understand it in context. You see, often when we read verses like this out of context, it's easy to apply that to all work that all Christians do. But when you understand this in context, you see that Paul is specific about the type of work. And so what we find is that when we look at chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, so look at verses 1 and 2 with me, Paul begins this chapter defending that his preaching 
of the gospel was what saved them. So verse 1 and 2. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And so what was Paul on about? What was the work of the Lord? Well, Paul was on about the preaching of the gospel. That was the work that saved them. And that was the work that won't be in vain because it is true. You see, the work of the Lord here in this passage and the labour of the Lord is really speaking about gospel ministry once again, just like the Great Commission. It is about evangelism, bringing people into the kingdom and about edification, building them up in the kingdom. That is, they are to stand firm here. And so do you see the connection here with the Great Commission then? It won't be in vain. It won't be in vain. And why is that? Well, remember the Great Commission. Jesus will go and be with you as you go about making disciples. That's why it won't be in vain. Your gospel work, your work in the Lord won't be in vain because Jesus will go with you. You don't do it alone. And so in this context, the work of the Lord refers to gospel ministry. It's not all work. It's a specific type of work, evangelism and edification. And so that's the second passage. Now, third passage, uh, uh, another one we want to, I want you to look at, Romans 10. Turn to that now. Romans 10, verse 14. Now, what we see here is that the salvation of anyone, any soul, the salvation of anyone is only possible when the gospel is preached when they hear it and when they respond in faith. And so if you are a Christian here tonight, it is because someone has shared with you the gospel message. may have been your parents, your friends, your Sunday school teacher, your youth leader, whoever it might be, but someone shared the gospel with you. And so for anyone to be saved, there must be the proclamation of the gospel, the hearing of it and the believing of it. And so verse 14, that's what we see here. How then... Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And see, do you see the gospel priority here? It is the preaching of the gospel so that there might be salvation. And if you think about this, people often talk about what we must preach and we must love at the same time. We must love, we must always love, but it has a different effect. Think about this. You're a Christian. Now imagine you are a wonderful Christian. You love, you serve, you're always humble, compassionate, merciful. You're always joyful and content and you're an awesome friend to your friend. You reflect God's character in your behaviour, in what you say, in how you act and how you behave. You're just a wonderful Christian to your friend. Okay, just imagine that. Now, let's just say that's your life with your friend. You've been a great friend to this friend, loved them, cared for them, but you never once shared the gospel with your friend. Never shared with them one time why you live the way you did, what you believe to be the truth. You never shared with them the gospel of Jesus who saved you and transformed you. Now, your friend who knows you to be a wonderful Christian but never heard of the gospel do you think your friend could be saved? 
lived the life of you, saw how wonderful you are as a Christian, saw how loving you are, but never heard the message of Jesus, his death and resurrection, can your friend be saved? Of course the answer is no. Without the preaching of it, the hearing of it and the believing of it, there is no salvation. And so what we're seeing here is the priority of gospel proclamation, the priority of gospel work. Do you know the old quote from Francis of Assisi? This quote, quite a nice quote, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. You've heard that before? Major flaw with that quote. Well-meaning, you know, live a life of love and service and that. Well-meaning, but big flaw. I mean, you can live out the gospel, you can reflect the gospel in the way you live, The gospel teaches you and shows you how you are to love. You are to love out of response of the gospel. You love because it is the right thing to do for Christians to do. But the gospel can only be preached with words. And unless you preach, there is no salvation. And so what we're seeing here is that there is a priority in the work of the Lord. The priority of evangelising, the priority of building up. Now, in saying all of this, that the work of the Lord is the work that we should all invest in, the work that we should give priority to, this does not devalue all our other work, our day jobs, our studies. It doesn't devalue them at all. You see, the work of accounting, the work of building bridges, building homes, the work of gardening, they're all still important work, even though the fruits of those work will not last into eternity, they're still important work. It's a bit like if you think about marriage. Marriage in this world, in this life, we know that marriage is important, even though marriage will not last into eternity. You see, marriage ends when we die till death do us part, but it's still very important to God, marriage and our work. But it's important to see here what's important to God. There is a priority, all work important, Whatever you do, all important, we do it to the service of God, to, to the worship of him and his name, all work important. But what is being made clear here in the scriptures is that the work that Christians should give priority to is the work of the Lord, the work of the gospel. All work important, but there is a priority. And like Pete said at the beginning, a bit contentious for some Christians. But now have you noticed that the gospel priority is not only for some Christians. It's not only a select few who are involved in the work of the Lord. It is not only for those who decide to become ministers and pastors and staff workers and missionaries who are involved in the work of the Lord. Do do you notice who it's for? Who the commission is for, the teaching of Paul, who are they for? It's for all Christians We are all meant to be involved together in the work of the Lord. That's the priority we are to give in our working life. And so when I've been affected by the gospel, I am changed, I am transformed, I can no longer be the same. I can't live the normal life I was living. I can't live for myself uh, the way I used to. The gospel compels me, it changes me. It's for all Christians. It compels us to do the work of the Lord. And so if we look at this passage in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. 
and compelled us to do what? The love of Christ. What does that cause us to do? What does that compel us to do? Well, verses 17, uh, 17 to 18, not 14. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is the task that we all have now, the ministry of reconciling the world to God through Christ. It is the work of the Lord that we've all been called to. It's not just a select few who do it. It's not just me as your minister or Chris as your pastor who does the work of the Lord. It is for all of us. The difference is that we do it in different, different capacities. Some of us get more time to do it. Some of us get less time to do it. But it is a priority the same for all Christians. And so if you think about this, this is what we see in the pages of Scripture. Work is important. In all your work, you work to the service of God, to the glory of God, see as part of your worship of God. You work hard, you do well, you reflect God's character. But the Bible is clear, there is a priority to some work and that is the work of bringing people to faith and building them up in the faith, the work of the gospel, or Paul calls it the work of the Lord. And so now, what do you think this means for you? You see, this is a priority not just for me, but for you as well. What does it mean for you? Well, I'd like to say three things by way of implication. Firstly, that is to work intentionally in all our work, paid or unpaid. Work intentionally to the glory of God. See as part of our worship of God. But as we work, we also work keeping in mind the gospel priority. As I do my job as an accountant, I still keep in mind the gospel priority. As I do my job as an engineer, I keep in mind the gospel priority. Be intentional and purposeful. And so what that means is that you don't want to just be a great colleague to work with. You don't want to just be a great neighbour to live next to. You don't want to just be a great friend to have. But you want to be thinking, with all the relationships God has placed around you, you want to be thinking, how can I move these relationships, all these relationships, closer to Jesus? Step by step, how can I do that? How can I move them closer to Jesus? Help them see that Jesus is true. Help them see that Jesus is Lord. Help them see that Jesus is Saviour. And so it might mean, you know, we have to be creative here and think. If gospel priority is my calling as well, is what I've been called to do, be involved in. We have to be creative. What can I do? Perhaps it might mean just buying a book for them, something for them to read. It might mean inviting them to some events that the church runs. Like yesterday, there were many non-Christians there. Or it might mean introducing them to some of your Christian friends. It might mean thinking about opportunities. Offer them, would you like to read the Bible together? Would you want to explore Christianity together? And I know one of our youth leaders, in fact, is doing that with his non-Christian friend. Ask his non-Christian friend on campus, do you want to read the Gospel together? And he's doing that. Think hard about how can I make opportunities to share the Gospel? Because you see, you might be the best friend. The, the, the perfect looking Christian. But unless you create opportunities for them to hear the gospel and to respond in faith, there is no salvation. That is the work we're, we're called to do. Now, there's a story of a corporate recruiter. 
a recruiter, his job was to entice this young particular man to a better paying job. Now this man wasn't interested and so this recruiter was a bit shocked and surprised and tried to manipulate him and, and try to make him feel bad. So he says to this young man, what's your purpose in life? And this man coolly replied, well my purpose is to get to heaven and to take as many people as I can with me. You see, that is being intentional in your workplace. Not just be a good colleague, not just be a great worker, do all that, but think intentionally. I want to bring these people with me to heaven and what great glory that will be on the last day when you see them there. And so first, first implication is to, in all our work, work intentionally. Second is to invest wisely. Now, how do you, how do you think we can do that? Well, John Wesley has this wonderful quote that, that could help us. John Wesley, he said this, I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. And so what does that mean? What are we to invest in? What are the things that will last into eternity? Well, it is investing in people. Investing in people, reaching out to people, building them up. It is investing in people, not in stuff. Not in the stuff we buy and get and consume. And so when you think about this, should I choose to work longer hours, do overtime, get more paid, it'll be easier on the family financially, or should I perhaps invest more time learning to be a better Sunday school teacher so that I have the opportunity to teach the little ones the wonderful gospel where that can save them? You have to think about that. Or should I play more games? get really good in my game, really enjoy it? Or should I consider offering a friend, asking him, would you like to catch up? You know I'm a Christian, well, would you like to catch up? You ask me some questions and if you like we can read the Bible together. Or, 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 or another friend, another Christian, why don't we, you know, I, I feel like I, I need some mutual encouragement. I'd like to encourage you, you, I hope you can encourage me. Why don't we meet together to pray and to read the Bible? building someone up or should I perhaps sleep in more on those Saturdays, have an easy Saturday or should I perhaps this particular Saturday invest in joining with the outreach team, pray for opportunities to proclaim the gospel. I mean here we have to be creative. If the gospel is our priority, what can we do? How can we invest wisely? I'll share some examples of what some of my friends have done. I've got this one friend, very high up in the corporate world. He's the deputy CEO of a law school. He's the chief academic officer of this law school. Very busy man. Huge responsibilities. A lot of people to look after, a lot of staff, a lot of programs and projects. Very busy man. Grandfather, a husband uh, and a father as well and responsibilities at church. How does he choose to invest his time? He wants to invest wisely. Well, this man, busy man, he meets up with four blokes regularly over lunch or after work and what he does is he prays with them, encourages them and encourages them spiritually. How are you walking in your life? What have you been learning from God? What books have you been reading? He keeps them accountable in their Bible reading. He does that as a mentor. He's using his time wisely. He's investing in that. And he's up in Sydney and when he comes down to Melbourne, comes down for work, for business, he's busy. But each time he comes down, he makes the effort 
to call me to catch up for lunch or dinner and to encourage me. And so his work in the Lord is to encourage me in my work of the Lord. That's one friend. There's another friend, also very high up in the corporate world, very busy, super busy, flying around all the time, works as the chief of staff of one of the premiers in one of our states. How does he invest his time? Thinking about that. Chief of staff of the premier, super busy serves as an elder of his church, regularly opens up his home, not just to one family, he opens up his home to the whole church. This blows my mind. Leads services, preaches occasionally, teaches Sunday school and runs the men's ministry of the church. Does the work, even though he's flying around all the time, he's investing wisely. Why does he do that? He wants to see people built up in their faith. Now, there's another person I spoke with from our church the other week. Huge responsibility in a hospital. What were they thinking? They want to invest. They don't want to make use of their time. They don't want to waste their opportunities. And they're thinking about running an evangelism course in their home for some of the nurses in a hospital. How wise is that? Investing wisely. Why? So that some under God might come to faith. And of course, there are many, many mothers I know and I've met that choose instead of the corporate life to stay at home. And why? Investing in discipling the little ones, discipling them that they might grow up and walk in the faith. And so what might that look like for you? To invest wisely in the work of the Lord. It might mean working less so that you can invest more. It might mean working less, having less of stuff, so that you can invest more. There's a friend of mine, I've, I think I've shared this before. He was an aerospace engineer, he still is, and he was a year above me. He chose to work, you know, as a family, two sons, mortgage, just like everyone else. Chose to work instead of five days a week, four days a week, so that he has a day free to serve in the international student ministry and now at his local church to do the work of the Lord. He's investing wisely. And of course I've met some older folks in our church, very encouraging, those approaching retirement age. What is it now, 65? Some, some older folks I've met before that age, they, they've chosen to retire from their day job so that they are still young enough and fit enough to invest in the work of the Lord to mentor the little ones, the younger men, the younger women, discipling them, investing wisely. That's the second thing. Finally, consider seriously. Now, I'll say something that some of you might not like to hear. I have prayed something that some of you or your parents would not really want prayed for you. And that is this, that you consider seriously. Consider seriously pursuing Gospel ministry in a full-time capacity. Consider seriously, with the help of the saints around you, with their encouragement, with the gospel conviction, of course with much prayer, but to consider seriously whether it's right for you to pursue gospel ministry in all its forms in the full-time capacity. On Friday at our youth group, we watched a, a short video of our, one of our mission partners from Japan, the Evans. It was an extremely convicting video because there were all these stats about Christianity in Japan, 
extremely convicting. It's the second most unreached people groups in the world. Second most unreached. Do you know how many Japanese Christians there are? 0.25%. That's less than a percent, a quarter of a percent. And they think they need 70,000 new churches in Japan just to reach the country properly. They're a relationless society, that's how it was described, and they desperately need the gospel. 70,000 new churches, church planters, missionaries, evangelists, just Christians. Where do they come from? Where would these people come from? These missionaries and church planters and those who want to do the work of the Lord in a full-time capacity to bring people to faith, to build them up in their faith. And of course that problem is not just Japan, it is everywhere, even here in Melbourne. Where do they come from? Well, this is something you might not like, but I'm hoping from some of us, from some here, God will raise some of us and send us out to the world to do the work of the Lord in a full-time capacity. But you see, I want you to hear this now. It's not just the missionaries or the pastors or ministers who have to leave their careers, who have to deny their careers for the sake of the kingdom. Of the kingdom. You see, that call is for all Christians. All of us are called to give up on careerism. We're all called to give up on living for work. We're all called to live for Christ, to live for his glory. And what better way than to be involved in the work that matters to God, in the work that will save souls, in the work that will see people built up in their faith. Because in the end, when you think about this, one day all of us will face the Lord. You won't be standing at the gates of heaven facing me. You'll be facing the king of the universe. You'll be facing him. And one day, I don't want to be standing there before the Lord of the universe like one who has just escaped the flames and I've got nothing to show for. I've squandered all my wealth. I've squandered all the opportunities that God has given me. I've squandered all the talents that God has given me to serve him, to love him. God would say, I gave you all this. And what do you do? You live for yourself. You're saved because you're saved by grace alone but you've got nothing to show for. You say, I don't want that for me and I do not want that for you as well. I want all of us, all of us to consider seriously, to live wisely, invest heavily, sacrificially, joyfully in the work of the Lord in whatever context God has placed us to proclaim the gospel and to speak to build people up in the gospel. In the end, that will be worth it. That will be worth it. And that's my prayer for you. So let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you make clear to us that salvation is by grace alone, that we are saved so freely, so wonderfully, so beautifully. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will convict our hearts. Help us to see that we can live our lives wisely, to invest wisely, to work hard in the work of the Lord where we will see people saved, soul saved, and Christians built up in their faith. We pray, Heavenly Father, you'll help us all to think deeply and heartily about our context and how we can be involved in this work which has immense priority. And we pray that you'll help us do so. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Uh, before we sing, we've got our time for questions, uh, but feel free to come up, musicians, or leave one of you hanging uh, in the middle of the hall. Uh, we do have time for questions. We had a couple of questions come through by SMS, although I'm guessing there's lots of fodder for conversation given what we just heard for when we go and uh, have supper and eat together. So I do make sure we talk uh, together as well. Uh, so I think uh, so far in the series we've heard that uh, God is the creator of work. Our work has great value and we're called to work for him in whatever work we have. Uh, but tonight John's spoken about a particular work. Uh, we've had a couple of questions about that particular work, the work of the Lord. Uh, first question is this, John. Uh, is the work of the Lord uh, only telling the gospel? Uh, I think is that, is that all it is? The work of the Lord is, is speaking the gospel, namely evangelism and Bible teaching, uh, or is it more? What, what? So the two categories I would use is evangelism. That means a clear gospel proclamation. So it means a teaching, a proclaiming, a declaring of what Jesus has done, his death and resurrection. And the other category I would use is edification. That is the building up work. And so you can do that in sorts of, all sorts of ways, but it does depend on the, uh, on the word of God, teaching it, sharing it, reminding each other, uh, loving each other in that way with the word to build each other in the faith. It is grounded in the word, but you do that in all sorts of ways. And so, for example, in our growth groups, a lot of the work there is actually the edification work as we meet together as God's family to build each other up, to pray for each other, to be concerned for each other. And, of course, we, we are grounded in the word of God. So, so it is broad, but the two categories, evangelism, edification, bringing in and building up in all sorts of ways. Thank you. Uh, second question, uh, fairly similar, I think. Uh, when sharing your faith with a non-believer, uh, is it important uh, first to build a rapport with that person before proclaiming the gospel to them? Um, yep. It sounds to me like it's a similar kind of question. It's asking about can we participate in the work of the Lord in ways other than speaking and then how is the other ways of life connected to our speaking? Yeah. So this is an application of biblical wisdom. You don't want to be there first day, hey everyone, I'm a Christian and you, know, you want to be my friend, you better hear the gospel. You, know, you have to be wise and all that, right? Um, and, and I think the way to think about evangelism is, is not so much I have to lay down the whole gospel in this one time, two ways to live, the six boxes and so forth, but bit by bit, but I'm intentional. Sometimes something comes up in the news and I'm thinking, it's talking about the gravity of sin in the world, I might talk, talk about that. That, that, that sin is terrible and, and God has a solution for that. I don't need to proclaim the whole gospel in one sitting. But I'm tactful, I'm wise, I'm prayerful. Uh, but the way you can think about it is step by step moving people close to Jesus as you love them, as you care for them and as you share with them bit by bit of your testimony of the love of God, of the gospel. So bit by bit and it is wisdom in prayer, dependence on God. But we need to be intentional for it to happen. Wonderful. Thanks, John. Perhaps you have follow-up questions. I do. Uh, In which case, let's talk together and talk with John uh, after the service. Uh, In a moment, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. A great privilege to do it. But first, we're going to sing uh, our song is Consider Christ. So please, will you stand as the music...